Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. I'm here today with Chris and Ryan, and we are talking about Daniel 4 and Nebuchadnezzar's dream. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar's having dreams again. <laughs> and what happens following the dream? How, how come this was never in a Veggie Tales? We had like the, oh. you know? I wonder if it's one of the Veggie Tales that has an underlying, like, you know what I mean? It just makes me <laughs> sad. Or maybe it was the PG 13 Veggie Tale. So it could be a little <laughs> this bit. Is very, like, this is very Veggie Taleable. Yeah. <laughs> but turning it into a beast. Mommy, I don't want to turn it into a beast. <laughs> I mean, what more makes your kids want to follow God? <laughs> Worked for Nebuchadnezzar. It's like you have the the faithful follower of God root or beast root. <laughs> so for those of you who anyway, might not be familiar with the passage so we're talking what about. Happened? <laughs> What's the God to you guys today in the passage? Well, we've got King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the known world, having uh, a pretty po- just amazing encounter with God. And uh, he has a dream that's... Uh, his power is stripped from him, that he's driven from society, and then that actually happens. Uh, and when his reason is restored, he does a pretty cool proclamation of who the true God is that sure looks like uh, he had a revelation of God and maybe even became a God follower. I'm actually pretty interested in um, how this was written in Daniel. So I wonder if Daniel just took, it sounds like Daniel just took everything that Nebuchadnezzar said and put it in his book. Um, wrote it all down. Uh, also, what stuck out to me was Daniel's response to the dream. He's frightened and he's um, scared for Nebuchadnezzar. And it just makes me think of um, what a man that Daniel is, who was taken from his home and exiled and now serves this pagan king. And he actually cares about this guy. I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think this, I mean, this account actually is one of those in scripture that can give us hope that the most powerful people, the most far from God people can have an encounter with the true and living God. Because, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was the dictator of the day. He was mm-hmm. the tyrant of the day. And God breaks into his world. Yeah. And it says, I mean, it starts off by saying he sent a message to people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. I mean, we know he's like a world leader, but it impacted people that he's explaining this to people yeah and this is one of those stories in the bible too that it's easy to go so did this really happen like <laughs> did he really eat grass and have his hair grow long and um there is actually a historical account of a period of time that nebuchadnezzar was not seen in public that he was kind of out of rulership he was doing things differently uh, and so there are some historical accounts that actually seem to agree that this happened and then later when we get to his son belshazzar who's with the the writing on the wall Mm -hmm. uh, when that happens daniel relates the story to him as if it's a fact Mm -hmm. and belshazzar doesn't doesn't protest doesn't say that's a myth you know he he accepts yep that's what happened to my dad yeah and i think about like during those seven years what would that have been like but also i'm thinking it with about it with a 21st century mind of like well certainly someone would have caught on to it but i guess (laughs) I guess not everybody had social media back then. <laughs> I mean, who knows who's out in the field right now that when we drive to work, like... <laughs> yeah, who like, knows? <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I was just I was just searching this whole situation. You got to check out the painting by William Blake about yes. Nebuchadnezzar. 
It uh, looks like Bigfoot. Uh, it's definitely Sasquatch. Maybe that's how we get this Sasquatch situation. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, you know, when I think about Nebuchadnezzar, like, so we've read about Nebuchadnezzar in several different books of the Bible at this point. Daniel focusing on him the most, I think, and giving the most detail of him. Uh, but how can that not be a clear picture of somebody who's being consistently, like God is consistently reaching out to him. Mm. Multiple occasions, he's having he's having dreams, we'll see him have visions, like... Mm. God is very much making himself present to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is oftentimes turning himself more toward God than against him. Yeah. Now he does he does interact with God as someone who doesn't know much about him. Mm-hmm. Like he'll he'll praise God and then build an idol an idol. Um so he's definitely a pagan for a lot of his life. <laughs> um but it's it's just amazing to me how much like God is so present in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar seems to be very much aware of it. You know, one of the other things I'm just uh, thinking about as you're talking, like, here's another example of the, you know, turning to God more doesn't necessarily make your problems go away. Yeah. Because he's turning to God as he's getting prophecies that his kingdom's coming to an end. <laughs> and like, I mean, going back to Daniel chapter two, the four successive kingdoms, mm-hmm. uh, Babylon's coming to an end and he knows that. It's also Nebuchadnezzar that allows jeremiah to stay in jerusalem like right. nebuchadnezzar he is, seeks him out he's chaining up people to send away in exile and he's like no wait, wait, wait where's jeremiah so like while jeremiah's people are like trying to kill him actively trying to figure out how to assassinate this guy the the evil ain't the evil king who's taking over their land is like where's that prophet we need him <laughs> it's very cool it's true uh guys thanks so much for listening today to god's whole story and we'll be back tomorrow First Chronicles chapter 8. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in the town of Gibeon. His wife's name was Mekah, and his oldest son was named Abdon. Jael's other sons were Zer, Kish, Baal, Ner, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, Zechariah, and Mikloth, who was the father of Shimeim. All these families lived near each other in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish. Kish was the father of Saul. Saul was the father of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbaal. Jonathan was the father of Meribel. Meribel was the father of Micah. Micah was the father of Pithon, Melech, Tereah, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jada. Jada was the father of Elameth, Asmaveth, and Zimri. Zimri was the father of Moza. Moza was the father of Benaiah. Benaiah was the father of Rephaeh. Rephaeh was the father of Elisay. Elisay was the father of Azel. Azel had six sons. Ezrakim, Bokaru, Ishmael, Shariah, Obadiah, and Hanan. These were the sons of Azel. Azel's brother Eshek had three sons. The first was Ulam, the second was Jeush, and the third was Eliphalet. Ulam's sons were all mighty warriors and expert archers. They had many sons and grandsons, 150 in all. All these were descendants of Benjamin. So all Israel was listed in the genealogical records in the books of the kings of Israel. Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed, so I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. 
When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar, after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, "'Cut down the tree and lop off its branches.' Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest people. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. And the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you, for you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heavens and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze, surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my lord, the king. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you'll receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you'll, be, you'll continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk in the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. And you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. 
After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity had returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Ezekiel 40 On April 28th, during the 25th year of our captivity, 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. In a vision from God, he took me to the land of Israel and sent me down on a very high mountain. From there, I could see toward the south what appeared to be a city, and he brought me near. I saw a man whose face shone like bronze standing beside a gateway entrance. He was holding in his hand a linen measuring cord and a measuring rod. He said to me, Son of man, watch and listen. Pay close attention to everything I show you. You've been brought here, so I can show you many things. Then you will return to the people of Israel and tell them everything you have seen. I could see a wall completely surrounding the temple area. The man took a measuring rod that was ten and a half feet long and measured the wall, and the wall was ten and a half feet thick and ten and a half feet high. Then he went over to the eastern gateway. He climbed the steps and measured the threshold of the gateway. It was ten and a half feet front to back. There are guard alcoves on each side built into the gateway passage. Each of these alcoves was ten and a half feet square with a distance between them of eight and three-fourths feet along the passage wall. The gateway's inner threshold, which led to the entry room at the inner end of the gateway passage, was ten and a half feet front to back. He also measured the entry room of the gateway. It was fourteen feet across with supporting columns three and a half feet thick. This entry room was at the inner end of the gateway structure facing toward the temple. There were three guard alcoves on each side of the gateway passage. Each had the same measurements, and the dividing walls separating them were also identical. The man measured the gateway entrance, which was 17 and a half feet wide at the opening, and 22 and three-fourths feet wide in the gateway passage. In front of each of the guard alcoves was a 21-inch curb. The alcoves themselves were 10 and a half feet on each side. Then he measured the entire width of the gateway, measuring the distance between the back walls of facing guard alcoves. This distance was 43 and three-fourths feet. He measured the dividing walls all along the inside of the gateway up to the entry room of the gateway. This distance was 105 feet. The full length of the gateway passage was 87 and a half feet from one end to the other. There were recessed windows that narrowed inward through the walls of the guard alcoves and their dividing walls. There were also windows in the entry room. The surfaces of the dividing walls were decorated with carved palm trees. Then the man brought me through the gateway into the outer courtyard of the temple. A stone pavement ran along the walls of the courtyard, and thirty rooms were built against the walls, opening onto the pavement. This pavement flanked the gates and extended out from the walls into the courtyard at the same distance as the gateway entrance. This was the lower pavement. Then the man measured across the temple's outer courtyard and between the outer and inner gateways. The distance was 175 feet. The man measured the gateway on the north, just like the one on the east. Here, too, there were three guard alcoves on each side, with dividing walls and an entry room. All the measurements matched those of the east gateway. The gateway passage was 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three-fourths feet wide between the back walls of the facing guard alcoves. The windows, the entry room, and the palm tree decorations were identical to those in the east gateway. There were seven steps leading up to the gateway entrance, and the entry room was at the inner end of the gateway passage. Here on the north side, just as on the east, there was another gateway leading to the temple's inner courtyard directly opposite this outer gateway. The distance between the two gateways was 175 feet.
Then the man took me around to the south gateway and measured its various parts, and they were exactly the same as the others. It had windows along the walls, as the others did. And there was an entry room where the gateway passage opened into the outer courtyard. And like the others, the gateway passage was 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three-fourths feet wide between the back walls of facing guard alcoves. This gateway also had a stairway of seven steps leading up to it, and has the entry room at the inner end and a palm tree decoration along the dividing walls. And here again, directly opposite the outer gateway, was another gateway that led into the inner courtyard. The distance between the two gateways was 175 feet. Then the man took me to the south gateway, leading into the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. Its guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room were the same size as those in the others. It also had windows along its walls and in the entry room. And like the others, the gateway passage was 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three-fourths feet wide. The entry rooms of the gateways leading into the inner court were 14 feet across and 43 and three-fourths feet wide. The entry room to the south gateway faced into the outer courtyard. It had palm tree decorations on its columns, and there were eight steps leading to its entrance. He took me to the east gateway, leading to the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. Its guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room were the same size as those of the others, and there were windows along the walls and in the entry room. The gateway passage measured 87 and a half feet long and 43 and three-fourths feet wide. Its entry room faced into the outer courtyard. It had palm tree decorations on its columns, and there were eight steps leading to its entrance. Then he took me around to the north gateway, leading to the inner courtyard. He measured it, and it had the same measurements as the other gateways. The guard alcoves, dividing walls, and entry room of this gateway had the same measurements as in the others, and the same window arrangements. The gateway passage measured 87 and a half feet long, and 43 and three-fourths feet wide. Its entry room faced the outer courtyard, and it had palm tree decorations on the columns, there are eight steps leading to its entrance. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.